Hello, I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605 692 1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Ellsworth's specialty is family medicine. He works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Ellsworth. Good morning, Laura. And also joining us today is Dr. Taylor Knipe. Dr. Knipe is an optometrist with Yorkshire Eye Clinic and Optical. Good morning, Dr. Knipe. Good morning. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you back on the program to answer all of our questions about eyes. Remind us, how long have you been here in Brookings, and what was your journey to becoming an optometrist? I've been in Brookings now since 2019. Um, I'm originally a South Dakota guy, so I grew up in Sioux Falls. Um, and then I was here in Brookings for my undergrad, and then I was down in Arizona for about four years doing my optometry schooling, and then came right back. Couldn't, couldn't resist all this uh, <laughs> nice cold weather, so <laughs> got away from all that nice winter weather yes. down in Arizona. So yeah, so we've been back, or I've been back here since uh, 2019, so coming up on five years. All right, and two little ones. Two yes. little ones, yep. We have a little boy named Theo who's going to be seven here in a couple of weeks and a little girl uh, named Elle and uh, they're ready to go for Halloween. Tell us what, what are your kiddos going to be for Halloween? So my daughter is going to be the little mermaid. Um, she's pretty excited about that and then my son uh, is going to be a soldier and he picked that out solely based on the fact that it came with all kinds of accessories and stuff so he was excited to play with those. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yep. Make some good use of those costumes that way. It sounds like some there'll be some favorites. Yep. That is fun. Yeah, hopefully we can all get out and enjoy some trick-or-treating. I know Brookings has a lot of opportunities, not only on Halloween, but on all the days, (laughs) you know, from downtown to um, the nature park to the library, all offering different opportunities. So we can pick whatever day's warmest. That's fun. Andrew, are you dressing up this year? Well, Lydia was just asking me that. Yeah. And... I'm sure I'll throw something together last minute at some point. We have a tote in the basement, well, actually, maybe two totes in the basement, full (laughs) of all the random Halloween costumes, hats, random things. So you're usually pretty good. You can can get pretty creative (laughs) with that stuff. Pretty creative. Yeah. One year, Andrew threw on this really beautiful, actually, bird mask that was handcrafted by some artists when you were a kid, right? Yeah. 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 And then uh, added some fun accessories to that. Yeah, so. some sort of, yeah, costume. I was a, a party bird. So we'll just stay tuned. We'll let you know yeah, what Andrew ends up being for Halloween. <laughs> Come trick or treat at our house. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Ellsworth, your essay this week, um, you had some fun and tied it into baseball this this week. Uh, so I believe do we know who's going to the World Series now, right? We Is do. that all settled? Yeah, yes. Both game went went to game seven and, and we've got the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Not the Minnesota Twins. And I think every game people <laughs> love to uh, 
you know, complain about the umps and, and think that they didn't get it right and that they should get their eyes checked. Mm-hmm. And that's what the essay was about, was <laughs> getting your eyes checked. Yes. So yes. that can be a reminder if it's time to get yours scheduled, which it did mine. So I got, I got <laughs> mine scheduled now. Perfect. Perfect. So Dr. Knipe, um, what is the recommendations for when we should be getting our eyes schedu- eye exams scheduled? So... We like to consider the eye exam as part of kind of like your routine health visits. Um, If you have anything going on with your eyes, usually we like to see you about once a year. Um, But even if you don't feel like you have anything going on, we still like to take a look at your eyes and make sure the health of your eyes is good every one to two years is keind of the recommendation. So, Okay. Yeah. We might, you know, if, like you said, if we're having an issue with our eyes, we might make sure we get those eye exams scheduled. But what are some of the things you might catch before we even realize we have an issue? It's easy to remember your eye exam when your glasses start getting a little bit blurry or your contacts are needing to to be replaced. But Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of things that we can catch before they even cause symptoms in the eye. And so... um, Things like glaucoma or or, um, even diabetes are things that we could see before it affects the vision. Glaucoma, we try to manage that completely from the time we diagnose it to the time um, a person passes away that they don't ever even have symptoms of it. So it's something that the patient themselves wouldn't even know to come in and check. We measure the pressure in the eyes, and I think people think, oh, my, I don't ever feel pressure in my eyes, but um, it's not a pressure that you feel. It's just a pressure internally that affects the nerve, and so there's lots of different things that we check for. Those are a couple things that we look at on everyone, but... Okay. What risk factors are there for glaucoma? <laughs> so, d- definitely um, familial or genetic components play a, a role in the risk of glaucoma, um, even things like diabetes and other vascular factors play a risk. And then, like I said, we measure the pressure in the eye. Um, and we kind of have a normal range of pressure, just like blood pressure. Um, and so pressure by itself doesn't necessarily mean that you have glaucoma, but if we start to see damage to the nerve that connects your eyes and your brain, that's when we start looking a little bit closer for glaucoma. So definitely, um, those are kind of the big ones, vascular risk factors, uh, pressure, genetic components um and then we just kind of we can do like a glaucoma workup to to measure the nerve and the visual function what happens if we don't have our glaucoma treated or if it's not caught early i kind of compare glaucoma so if you fall asleep on your arm and your arm goes numb you wake up and you shake your arm out and you get that blood flow going back to your arm in your eye it's a it's a more of a chronic condition but that pressure is putting too much stress on the nerve it doesn't get quite the oxygen and, and blood flow that it needs and so over the course of time that nerve starts to to lose nerve tissue and like I said we try to manage that to the point where you don't ever have symptoms but um, if that progresses you can start to get um, spots missing in your vision usually kind of starting out in that peripheral portion of the vision but unmanaged glaucoma is definitely one of those things that can lead to to blindness so um one of those things that's important to to watch for. And so how do you manage it or treat it? There's lots of different ways anymore. Um, kind of our first line of treatment is uh, eye drops. And so typically what that looks like is we have you use a drop at night. Um, it's not anything uh, that's going to mess with your day or anything mm-hmm. like that. They start, they've started 
doing more laser treatments for glaucoma where they um, help open up the drainage system mm -hmm. in your eye. So your eye is always producing fluid, draining fluid. And as long as that's happening at the same rate, your pressures are good. But if that drainage system is a little bit blocked up, the pressure tends to kind of climb a little bit. And so they do a laser procedure to open up that uh, drainage system. And then even anymore, a lot of times when they do cataract surgery for someone who's got glaucoma or they're a glaucoma suspect, they'll just do it the same time they do cataract surgery. They put in a little uh, little shunt or a little stent to help drain off that extra fluid, and then they probably don't even need to use drops. So okay. there's a lot of different ways to manage glaucoma anymore, um, but that's kind of our first line is, is eye drops. Okay. I might add that steroid use can, I think, increase someone's risk of, of yeah. glaucoma. Um, and then if someone knows they have glaucoma or mild glaucoma, um, if, if your doctor is talking about having you on a steroid like prednisone or something, that would be something we'd want to be cautious about. And especially use of steroid creams around the eyes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Those steroids, we call those people steroid responders, and that causes their pressures to, to climb. And so, like I said, you might not even feel that pressure in your eyes but if that steroid is causing the pressure to go up definitely can uh, increase the risk of glaucoma and there's even some systemic medications that can cause the that drainage system in the eyes to close um, and so we call those angle closure glaucomas where there's some sort of uh, mechanism that's closing off that and that's more of a, an emergent type of a thing but yeah there's there's all different kinds of things that can lead to glaucoma. Okay. Well, it's time for us to go to our first break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now with your questions at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Cigarette smoking is the number one cause of lung cancer, but it can also be caused by other forms of tobacco like t pipes and cigars or breathing secondhand smoke or being exposed to asbestos or radon. We also are concerned with people who have a family history of lung cancer. Lung cancer symptoms may include coughing that gets worse and doesn't go away, chest pain, shortness of breath, wheezing, and coughing up blood. Other illnesses that can cause these, these symptoms should be investigated as well. If you have any symptoms, talk to your doctor. For help to quit smoking, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit cdc.gov quit. Your provider at the Avera Medical Group is a good resource to discuss lung symptoms. Call 697-9500 for an appointment. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and today we have Dr. Taylor Knipe here to answer our questions about eyes and Dr. Andrew Ellsworth. Give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Dr. Knipe, it seems like every month we kind of like to focus on different medical issues out there, and we learned that this month is Diabetic Eye Disease Month. What is diabetic eye disease? Diabetic eye disease is a condition that affects your eyes, and there's different ways that that can show up. Um, 
diabetics are more at risk for developing a lot of different uh, eye conditions, but we look for something called diabetic retinopathy, which affects the blood vessels in the back of the eye. Um, and just like the blood vessels in the rest of your body, those blood vessels can get kind of stressed out and, and they can show signs of damage or, um, or swelling. And so the unique thing about the eye is that's one of the only places that we can look directly at blood vessels without having to cut you open. And so, um, that looks like a coming in for a diabetic eye exam. Diabetics also are a little bit higher risk for glaucoma, like we were just talking about before this. Um, cataract development usually is a little bit faster, a little bit younger for diabetics. Um, so there's a, a number of different things that we look for, but uh, kind of the main one that, that we look for at that yearly visit is that diabetic retinopathy. Do the signs and symptoms of diabetes show up perhaps earliest in the eye? Like, do you ever catch that someone might have diabetes at an eye exam, or do we no normally know someone has diabetes and then they end up for an eye exam? There are definitely times where um, th there's patients in every healthcare field that they don't really like going to the doctor. Sure. And, and so sometimes it's like, oh, you turn 40 and all of a sudden you need those reading glasses. And so someone comes in and they need to get looked at and you go through your whole health history. Nope, I don't have diabetes. No, I don't have high blood pressure. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, maybe not. But have you been to, an, uh, to a, a doctor or your primary care physician recently? And oh, no, I've never been to, <laughs> never been to a, the doctor. Sure. And so then we look in there and then the, we see signs of um, diabetic retinopathy, even though they're not diagnosed with diabetes. So mm -hmm. then it's kind of that, okay, let's get you in to see, get established with a primary care provider because there might be something else that's causing these changes in your eyes and so there are times where we do catch that first mm -hmm. and on the other side of the we're here recommending people go to the eye doctor at least once a year if they have diabetes to help watch for all yeah. these possible complications mm -hmm. and so it's important to tell your eye doctor if you do because they might do a couple extra things like dilating the eyes to get a really good look about that but but it's important to communicate that and and if you have diabetes or pre-diabetes you know if you're on metformin other other medications yeah. mm -hmm. the um, the unique thing about diabetic eye disease so if you get diagnosed with macular degeneration or glaucoma those tend to be kind of lifelong diagnoses that we manage um, diabetic retinopathy definitely can fluctuate with mm. blood sugar and a1c and so just because you come in and we find a couple of little spots of diabetes inside of your eye doesn't mean that those are going to be there for the rest of your life um, a lot of times we just communicate with your primary and say, hey, we're seeing some of these changes. Maybe we need to look at adjusting medications or something like that. I did have a question for you, Dr. Ellsworth. Um, I think still our our main number that we ask about when they come in is their A1C, which is kind of their three-month overview of where their blood sugars have been. Um, I'm seeing more and more patients that wear those continuous glucose monitors and hearing a lot about their time and range do you still prefer a1c or with those gl continuous glucose monitor patients is that a number that you look at closely as the time and range i would say the a1c is still kind of the standard way to to track that and for some people we might have different goals uh, for that number but it's been very helpful for certain uh, people 
to have that continuous glucose monitor to help them in their control. And then, yeah, they could see how often they're in range or not and track yeah. how things are going. And see how but that's a little bit harder to say how well that control sure. is yet compared to uh, one number with an A1C. Yeah. But the A1 hemoglobin A1C is a, is a test that we can use with a blood test to help track how someone's diabetes is going or, or if they even have diabetes or not. And it can tell us your average blood sugar over the last three months. Why three months? Because that's the lifespan of a hemoglobin. Oh. And so the more it has been surrounded in blood and sugar in the blood gets glycosylated by that sugar in the blood. And so how much sugar is in there over the li its lifespan affects how this is read and why it lasts for, gives us an average of your blood sugars over the last three months. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So what are some of the things we can all be doing to help reduce our risk of diabetes? Or if we know we're perhaps more likely to get some, have some of these complications. What can we do to help keep that risk lower? Eat healthy and exercise, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not that simple. Um, it, it, it'd be nice if it, and it was, and it, it, it definitely contributes. Mm -hmm. But some people are predisposed for a variety of reasons and genetics or um, bad luck or diet and lifestyle. And, and uh, there's things we can do to help. And sometimes we can do everything right and, and diabetes still progresses or or comes on um and so but it can be helpful to eat healthy and exercise watch our diet if you have diabetes perhaps uh you should watch what your blood sugars are especially if you're on insulin certain oral by mouth medications often we don't you know when it's mild diabetes we usually don't end up having to check sugars but it can be helpful information if, if someone wants to Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now with your questions at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Did you know that breast cancer death rates have declined 40% from 1989 to 2016 among women? The progress is attributed to the improvement in early detection. Breast cancer is most common in women, but can also be found in men. Anyone who notices changes in the breasts, such as skin texture, tenderness, lumps, or discharge, should be examined by their provider. Women are encouraged to have a mammogram every one to two years, starting at age 40. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Please talk with your provider about your breast health and other health concerns by calling the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 605-697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and today we have Dr. Taylor Knipe. He's an optometrist with us, and Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, a family medicine doctor, answering all of our questions about eyes and eye health. Give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. 
30. Dr. Knipe, we had a question. What effect does smoking have on the eyes? The first thing that I think about about smokers and how it affects their eyes is the increased risk of macular degeneration and progression of macular degeneration. Um, so there's two different kinds of macular degeneration. There's dry and there's wet. Both can progress to vision loss, but um, people that have smoked have a higher risk of progressing through those stages. And definitely people that are current smokers, their risk is um, significantly higher. And so that's kind of the, the big one that jumps out to me. The other one is actually dry eyes. Um, so smoking some for it can affect the oil glands that are surrounding your eyes, mm-hmm. which if those oil glands are a little bit deficient or dysfunctional, uh, your eyes will dry out just because the tears evaporate too quickly. And so those are kind of the two big ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dr. Ellsworth, anything to add about smoking? Well, smoking affects all organs in your body mm-hmm. and an increased risk of pretty much any type of cancer and many diseases Mm -hmm. uh throughout the body so um yeah try to try to cut down and quit Mm -hmm. and let us know if you need help yeah what do you what do you recommend if someone says you know i really do want to cut down or i do want to quit what what are some of your recommendations for that it can be helpful to um prepare your surroundings and, and it's a behavior thing and it's a habit thing. And so it's sometimes easier to cut your habits and change your habits in a new place or w- during a change in your life mm-hmm. or something that's ec- an extra motivator for you, whether maybe you're pregnant or you're going to have a, uh, a baby, you're going to be a father, you're going to be a grandparent. Uh, that can be a, a helpful motivator. Stopping on vacation when you have different surroundings can be uh, uh, helpful. Then you're not in your same places or the same things that trigger you or the same people that Mm -hmm. trigger you. Mm -hmm. It can be helpful to talk to someone else who has quit and maybe they can check in on you and be an accountability partner. Um, Yeah, some people find help from the gum or the patches or lozenges or um, whatever other temporary nicotine replacement that you can titrate that down mm-hmm. of course you can quit cold turkey mm-hmm. we do have medications that can help decrease the cravings and uh, the list goes on and on and yeah. so it can be helpful to sit down with with someone to talk through those things and to help you quit you can call um the quit line uh boy i think you could start with two on one if nothing else uh the south dakota quit line though you could google that number specifically Mm-hmm. And uh, and 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 there, someone can be there to talk you through this and give you some helpful pointers. Okay, Doctor Knight. Personally, I've had some dry eyes lately these past few weeks. I've noticed, um, especially when I first wake up in the morning. Is that related to the changes of the season, or what might be some causes for all of a sudden experiencing that? Definitely changing seasons. Um, like I said, I did my training down in Arizona, and mm-hmm. so. Living in the desert, I saw all kinds of dry eyes down there. Mm -hmm. For us in South Dakota, actually our dry eye season tends to be kind of starting right about now um, when the furnaces start kicking on. There's just not as much moisture in the air. Our humidity is not nearly as high. Um, That's when we start seeing a lot of that 
dry eye stuff start to pop up. Um, it can start earlier. Um, some Sometimes allergies will trigger that, and so it, allergies and dry eyes can sometimes snowball on each other where the dry eyes makes you more prone to allergies or makes your allergy symptoms worse. You take those allergy medications like Claritin and Zyrtec, and that kind of dries things up, and then your eyes get drier. And so you can get in this um, cycle of dry eyes getting worse, but it is definitely something that worsens this time of year. If you're waking up with dry eyes, it's typically because... Um, because your eyes are drying out overnight, whether that's because you sleep with a a ceiling fan on or maybe your eyes don't completely close at night. Um, It's not something that a lot of people think or like, no, I don't do that. Right. Um, But even a a minuscule amount lets enough air into your eyes that it gets dried out. Um, Contact lens wearers are just more prone to dry eyes in general. Um, but yeah, definitely this time of year is when we start seeing a lot more of those dry eye symptoms. Okay. And usually just an eye drop, over-the-counter eye drop, is that what you recommend? Yeah, that's usually where we okay. start. Um, if it, if you don't like eye drops, some people are like, I can't get anything in my eyes. Okay. Um, sometimes we'll start with like even just a hot compress, a hot mm-hmm. washcloth, or you can get um, eye patches that you can buy at the grocery store or Walmart or wherever that you can throw in the microwave and they hold their heat pretty well. That helps with those oil glands around the eyes, um, makes it a little bit easier for those oil glands to express. And that helps to keep those tears from evaporating off of your eyes. So when you get in the car and you have the the heat blasted at you because you just were freezing outside, (laughs) that heat, a lot of times will just evaporate those drops. A lot of times that's where we see people are like, I get in my car and my eyes, either they start running a lot or Mm -hmm. they just feel like really gritty. And so um, the the running is something that throws a lot of people off, but that actually is a a sign of dryness because your eyes feel dry. Your natural reflex of the eyes is to start flushing with tears. And so it's like, no, my eyes aren't dry. They're they're wet. Mm -hmm. But actually doing some of these dry eye treatments will help with some of that watery, teary feeling. Okay. Tell me about the tear duct um, blocker. I don't oh, know what yeah. you. Yeah, tell us about those and when those might be an option. So right in the middle corners of your eyes, right by your nose, you have uh, tear ducts that drain in the upper and lower portions of your your eyelids. And so some people they are able to make tears, but they drain too fast. Or we're trying to keep the tears on the eye longer, and so we'll put um, little plugs in those tear ducts. Usually where we start is just plugging the two lower ones where you still get some of that drainage. If we block all four, then that can actually start causing some of that watering, and that's just because there's nowhere for the tears to go. So it usually will will block a couple of tear ducts. um, So we have a couple on the bottom and a couple on top? Yeah, yeah, one on top, one on bottom, and each eye. So two lower, two upper. Mm -hmm. Um, But So we'll, we'll block those and see if that gives some relief from from some of those symptoms if we get to all that and we're still having issues there are um, prescription dry eye drops that will sometimes turn to probably seen commercials for like restasis or zydra Mm -hmm. and so those are more uh, focused towards the inflammation component of dry eyes Um, we have a hard time with insurances covering those so usually we start with some of the -the over-the-counter options but but we do have uh, prescription options for dry eyes too yeah is it true that some eye drops can kind of get your body dependent on them and then and then almost make the picture worse? Yeah, that's a yeah, that's great. Actually, definitely. Um, so there's the ones that I I'm not a huge fan of are Visine and Clear Eyes. Not that they're bad drops themselves, but kind of the difference between the brands of 
dry eye drops and even between like brand name and generic are the preservatives that they put in the drops um and so if you're kind of just soaking your eye in those preservatives or those a little bit cheaper preservatives that they put in like visine and clear eyes um it'll start to irritate the eyes and it kind of feels like your eyes are getting more dry so then you feel like you need more drops but really it's just kind of worsening the problem the other one would be like the get the red out drops where if you put that drop in it kind of constricts the blood vessels over the white part of your eye makes your eyes look a little bit whiter if you start using that drop too frequently those blood vessels start thinking that they need that um, and so then it just when you're not using that drop you can start to become almost dependent on it so yeah definitely so what eye drops would you recommend to start with i like sustain and refresh um, those are kind of the two brands that i recommend in my office um, there's other good ones over the counter as well honestly if you're kind of new to eye drops there's some that are preservative free um, and they they used to come in these little vials where you had to break one off and it was kind of um, inconvenient to to use those now they actually have bottle versions of the preservative free um, and so basically they put preservatives in those bottles so they don't get contaminated with bacteria and other things when you're putting the drops in and so if you can get a bottle that's non-preservative or those little vials that are non-preservative you could use those as often as you want because there's really not anything harmful in there other than just the the moisturizing component to it and so if you're if you're new to drops that's kind of where i like to start some people are already like i got my drop that i like and so we just stick with it but the preservative free are a little bit easier on the eyes okay Excellent. Well, thank you, Dr. Taylor Knight, yeah. for being here today and sharing all this great Thanks information about eyes. Before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Tomorrow, October 26th, Prairie Doc host Dr. Andrew Ellsworth will be joined by Dr. Elizabeth Atchison and Dr. Andrea Bordewick from Ophthalmology LTD in Sioux Falls to talk about the importance of good eye health. So tune in tomorrow night on SDPB television or look for this episode on the Prairie Doc YouTube channel or Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. And we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Taylor Knipe and Dr. Andrew Ellsworth for joining us today. As Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.